Amen. Indeed, may uh, that be our prayer as we enter into this uh, text, as we continue in this uh, series, that God would indeed break the chains, those chains within us that can confine us, that for whatever reason prevent us from experiencing the freedom, indeed, that the Spirit brings, the freedom that only Christ can bring. Um, as we'll see even in our passage, some ways that uh, Peter, Simon Peter, the, the, the chains were broken, how uh, Christ, Jesus, was, was even deeper in, into Peter to really give him the freedom um, to, uh, to follow Jesus, to enjoy him and celebrate him. Um, I do also want to, um, and I think also a great prayer uh, for um, when we face uh, pain and anguish, when we face unexplainable disasters in our world, as we see in, in Haiti, um, that our best cry is to cry out to God and, uh, in, the, in the midst of such uh, pain and suffering. And I want to speak to that just a, a minute. Um, you know, certain uh, words can get out from Christian leaders that... Uh, um, can somehow, and just, and, and just lightly touch on this, um, but somehow folks can make a claim that they would know why this happened and um, even why God did it. And I think that's an extremely dangerous claim to make, especially if you've ever read the book of Job. I mean, if, if the book of Job doesn't say anything, it ought to tell us that we don't know diddly about what's going on. And so there, there's a certain, I think, a true humility that we need to have when it comes to the whys and the wheres um, and the hows. And um, so I, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons as to why and how, and um, let alone earthquakes and let alone just the, the situation of the, the nation of, uh, of Haiti. But I do think what we do know is our call to act in love and compassion and in the ways of Jesus in sacrificial love. And whether it's in prayer, whether it's in giving, um, whether it's opportunities for those that are, are needed and so trained to go or to support those that go, that I know and we know and is clear from the scriptures what we are called to do in the face of tragedy. So may God hear our prayer and break in, enter in, to continue to free us to the sacrificial giving that Jesus demonstrated for us so that indeed we might be good news to the world, um, especially in the face of disaster. So um, just wanted to speak to that. Uh, and also, again, want to thank Chris for helping first time up. Um, I mentioned it first service, but, you know, when he... Uh, first joined the church a couple years ago, he, he told me that he wanted my job. And, great, brother. There are plenty of times I'll give it to you. Um, but as a, a freshman at uh, UC and uh, um, possibly uh, moving to Cincinnati Christian next, uh, next fall, um, look forward to, uh, to that day. So thanks, Chris.
Our passage is Luke chapter 5, starting with verse 1. It's found on page 836 in your um, pew Bible and invite you to, to turn there or follow along on the screen. Um, we've been uh, uh, walking through the Gospel of Luke and will continue to from Christmas to Easter, um, just walking through the, the life of Jesus. Um, encourage you in the bulletin, there's a reading schedule that you can read through Luke during these uh, next couple months. And each week before um, uh, the Sunday, will be a, the, you'll, we'll include the passage that we're going to talk about on Sunday morning. So hopefully it helps to not only put it in context or to get the whole story, but also prepare you for that. But that's uh, in your bulletin. There's also little cards out in the uh, atrium in the literature racks um, that you can follow along too. Um, and each Sunday we look at a particular word, just what, what word jumps out from the particular passage. Uh, two Sundays ago at Jesus' baptism, we talked about how Jesus was beloved of God and how we clothed in Him also are, uh, have uh, the same love showered upon us. And last week, how Jesus, it is ordination, how He was or, uh, anointed he was set apart, qualified, certified, ready to go um, into the task that the Father had for him. And so too are we in Jesus, anointed for a task. Now today, the word is net. And we'll see how in a little event, Jesus makes a parable, a metaphor for a net that involves him and involves us. Um, so let's... Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for your written word. We do continue to cry that you will hear our prayer. Um, Wake us up. Enter in. um, Free us from the chains that bind us so that we might enjoy you um, to the fullest. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 5, starting with verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed Him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the very beginning of the passage, you see how Jesus is a net who is drawing lots of people 
closer and closer to Him. As we were singing at the very beginning of the worship service, you know, free to all. And for Jesus, that that freedom that that He offered always was drawing crowds, more and more people as He went around teaching and healing and feeding. People would, would gravitate to Him, larger and larger crowds. Now, I invite you in this text and in others during this series to enter into the text. Sort of imagine being there. You know, imagine what it would look like on the, 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 the sea there, on the seashore, and, and the, the boats that were gathered. You know, and the, Jesus had come, the crowd had gathered around, and the, the crowd obviously was so large that he, he couldn't hear him. So he, he got Simon and said, hey, let me get in your boat, just push me out a little bit. You know, it was sort of a, a natural stage there, and then he could speak to the crowd that had gathered on the shore. Imagine being in that that crowd, you know, walking. You know, you can feel the air. You can smell the fish. You can hear the waves. The energy of those that were gathered. And as you're overhearing other people in the crowd, what are they saying? Why are they there? What do you think would be the reason that those people had gathered there? All right, now share that with one another among you. Yeah, audience participation today. Can't just sit there. Ready? Go. Talk one another, open mouth, share. Why were the people there? Okay, that's it. Long enough. Sorry. Got to get to it. Talk and then we're moving on. Don't worry, there'll be another time uh, later on that you can do that with one another. Now we've broken the ice. Sorry if you thought you could just sort of slide in. Yeah, there are all kinds of reasons, I'm sure, that you were sharing with one another of why the people were there. And I think there is a deep-seated desire throughout the ages that we have as God's creation to be in relationship with our Creator. And so when He shows up with skin on, it's going to have a natural draw to us. I was reminded of just the nature that what we are about as the church. Such a significant task on Christmas Eve. It was the 5 o'clock service. And those of you that may have been here recall, I mean, that it was, talk about audience participation. I mean, we were standing up, running around, getting down. We were putting decorations on Christmas trees, doing all kinds of things. And the, uh, during the offering, we'd given everybody a uh, heart cut out of um, construction paper. And during the offering, we just told folks, you know, Either write a phrase or words or draw a picture. You know, do what you, you want to, to offer to God, to, to give this to God, you know, to give your heart, to give yourself to God as part of this offering. And after the service, uh, those, they were collected and 
and I, so I grabbed them and went to the office and was, was reading them and then preparing for the next service. And the, uh, yeah, and read through, and there were some great ones, you know, uh, um, elementary school boy, you know, giving uh, his uh, transformer toys, you know, to, to God. And uh, obviously a young hand had taken crayons and colored a picture of baby Jesus in a manger and put that, you know, under the, uh, the tree. But there were also words of people saying, I, I give you my broken heart. I, I give you my, my doubts, my pain, my um, fear. And I, and I was, was struck and, and, and convicted, really, because it's so easy to get into the, the, the profession you know, of providing services with this part and this part, and then you do this and you take the offering and then you're finished. And I'd forgotten, no, wait a minute, that's not why we gather. We, we, we gather, no matter when it is, in order to encounter the living God. You know, heart to heart, soul to soul. To, to, to draw, to be, to be made even more real in our relationship with, with Him. That indeed He would hear our prayer. And I think that, that need is still true today. Even in our postmodern age, whatever you want to call it, an age when the numbers, in, at least in our nation and in all of the most of the western hemisphere, northern hemisphere, are numbers are tending down in churches. But you hear a lot of people, and you read those uh, polls and things. I'm not really into the church, but I'm really stoked with Jesus. Or Gandhi said it, you know, a long time ago. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing. I'm overwhelmed with trying to follow and understand who this Jesus is, but I really don't understand his followers. I believe, just as in Jesus' day, people are hungry for him. And as church, as gathered community around him, sometimes we can get in the way. Sometimes our, our traditions, our habits, our language even can get in the way instead of make a way. Our, our own issues and really just sort of self-focused thoughts can get in the way of letting Jesus be the net that gathers so many to Him. I mean, even word, a great word like gospel You know, people that don't go to church, what does that mean? We don't, we don't use it in any other setting. You know, what exactly does gospel... Maybe folks that went to religion class in university, they would gospel of Mark, gospel of Matthew. But so for me, this I started to say, to no longer say the term gospel. Even though it has great meaning to us, to be quite honest, I don't... That's not the focus of the great meaning it has to us. So no longer do I want to try to say God. I want to say good news. This is good news. Gospel is confusing to, to, to those that haven't heard. So some of the ways we can get in the way. 
of Jesus being a net that draws lots of people to Him. Because throughout the Gospels, He did. Jesus is, is a net then that we, His followers, use. That, that we, we get dirty. We get messy with Jesus as the net. Right? I mean, let's walk with Peter back in, in these events here, right? Jesus has done his teaching. He'd been out. The crowd had gathered to hear him, to be awed and amazed and challenged and, and loved. And, and Peter was there. We're told he'd been out fishing all night, hadn't caught anything. He was finally gathering his nets, cleaning them off nice and neat, putting them into their little storage compartment, all the while, you know, listening to Jesus, sort of catching a nugget here along the way, and then waiting there as his, one of his uh, followers, especially maybe even sort of getting a little kick that, hey, he's in my boat. That's sort of cool, isn't it? Um, and then seeing the crowd and... Maybe even being engaged by that, but he's got one eye pointed to home. You know, he's, he can almost feel his bed. He's ready. He's done. And then Jesus says to him, Hey, Peter, even as he's probably on his way home, Peter, let, let's go fishing. Let, let's go out. Let, let's go, let's go throw them. Why don't you throw the nets? Why don't you throw them just on the other side over here? Huh? Let's go to the deep water, we're told. And I wonder, and I ask you to wonder with me. What was Peter feeling right then? What was going through uh, his mind? What was uh, he considering then? All right, share that with one another. Some of you already started. What was Peter thinking and feeling? What would you have been thinking then? All right, other thoughts you have to share at lunchtime. See, G Jesus telling Peter in this, this, this event that then becomes a metaphor, you, you've got the nets, and they don't do a bit of good, nice and clean and pretty, in their little storage compartment. Get them out there. Get them out there according to Jesus' command. According to Jesus' direction. you got to get the nets out there. You're not going to catch any fish if they're in a museum or in a storage place. they got to get dirty and messy in the deep water. Same is true for each of us. If we come and raise our hands to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, praising Him, well then we've got the net. And He sends us out with that net. It's not something to fold up at 12, 12, 15, 12, 20, depending. And just sort of store away. 
And I've been struggling this, and I've shared with this, and shared this with you before, with just the challenge of being a professional Christian. You know, it, it's really easy, and this is true in any job. I mean, you can spend, you know, 40 hours can turn into 50, can turn into 60, can turn into 70, really easily, in any job, in any job that you do uh, the, these days. And that's certainly the case um, in my job. But as I've been reading this and, and just really struggling with this for the last year, I realized, you know, that I am missing part of my calling as a follower of Jesus if that's where I spend that much time. So, Kathy, my wife, and I have been, been talking and just saying, you know, how, do we, how can we make a commitment to do something about that? Because you know, it, it, it is not just going to happen because I have a really good idea in my head or even that I preach about it or that anybody hears an absolutely excellent sermon about it. Or a poor sermon about it. And so as we were talking, we, we realized, you know, we've got, we're going to have eight more years, God willing, and the, the grades are kept, of children in Walnut Hills High School. Our children are going to be there. So why don't we go there? And why don't we participate in parents' things and other things and just get the nets out there? No plan. I'm not going with Bible loaded and ready to fire. But unless the nets get out there, it's not going to happen. Where are the relationships going to happen? That if Jesus somehow inside of me is able to break through my hard shell and shine through. Well, I know it's not going to happen if the nets aren't cast. And then we, we said, all right, once a month, once a month, we're going to have a dinner at our house, and we're not. Go- and we're going to what we're what we're committed to is most of the time inviting people that aren't related to College Hill Presbyterian Church. Now we love you, we love you. We're going to be here, be with you a lot of time. But there's going to be one night a month that you're not invited, <laughs> and just to get us out to cast the nets out. As a church, I think we can do the same thing. We can get so focused inwardly that we forget to cast the nets out there. You know, I mean, all the excuses Peter could give. You know, Jesus, I've been out there. I've been doing it. You know, I know. It's not working. We've been fishing. You know, I've already done it. I've done my duty for the day. You know, the one thing that we see with Peter here is that we can't give up. We cannot, no matter what, stop casting the nets. Listening for Jesus' word and the opportunity that he's given us. We can't say the fish aren't biting. And that be an excuse. And that's, again, part of the reasons I mentioned last week. Doug Pollock is uh, uh, going to come in, in February. Um, and then back in April to help, help teach us how to fish. These days, in these waters. How to simply cast the net in our everyday world. Because we see here, not only is Jesus a net that draws lots of people, and it's a net that, that we've got to use that gets dirty and messy, but it's a net that gets filled. 
It's a net that gets filled in Jesus' time and in Jesus' way. I mean, imagine the chaos there as they throw the nets out. You know, you can imagine sort of half asleep, just sort of doing, oh, we'll do what Jesus says. And the absolute shock and chaos that ensues as the nets start pulling the boat under. And they, they pull it, hey, John, get over here, get your boat over here, man. We can't, can't get all these fish in these boats, come on. This is absolutely crazy. His fish are flopping everywhere. I told the, the session the staff and the deacons uh, last, uh, last Saturday that my outlandish, crazy, unimaginable dream is that we as a congregation would have 200 baptisms this year. That we just get overloaded, it would be crazy, it would be way too much work, and we wouldn't know what to do. We'd be getting mad at each other, pulling out our hair, because fish are flopping everywhere. I wonder, with you, where's Jesus asking you to cast the net? Maybe it's already being cast, and you're seeing it, you're feeling the tug, or you're waiting for the fish to bite, I don't know. Maybe you're like me, you get so wrapped up in just the everyday world, you're not really on your list. Are you willing to take the nets out of their storage and get them dirty and messy and for the chaos to ensue? The last thing in the passage that we see here is that, that Jesus, not only the net catches others and it's a net that we use and it gets filled, but that that net comes back and catches me every time. Just like it did with Peter. I mean, I am intrigued by Peter's response. I mean, come on, think with me now. If you're Peter, you're in the boat, you've been asleep, you've just had a whole night where you didn't catch a thing and you're supposed to go home to Mrs. Peter and say, yeah, sorry, honey, no fish. And you're going to wonder, well, you know, what happens? Maybe you got a little bit of fish in storage, but maybe the next day. I mean, that is not an exciting time. And then Jesus comes on the scene and messes up your plans and now steals only your, your nights or your day's sleep and takes you back in there. And, and then you're in the water and all of a sudden your boat is filled with fish, overflowing. That's a question for you to share at lunch of what, what would you be thinking at that stage. But I'm thinking, if I'm a fisherman at that stage, I'm thinking, Amen, hallelujah, bring them on. Jesus, will you come back tomorrow? <laughs> and I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Whoa, I see college education right there in that boat. You know? and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. You know, we can open that second store now if we take half of the boat over there. But that's not what Peter does. He sees the overflow of following Jesus, of casting the net as Jesus calls us to, and he is overwhelmed being in the presence of Almighty God. I mean, at that stage, he may not have been able to give the exact words to it, but he knew it in the depth of his soul that God was not his heavenly butler. It was not his divine vending machine, but he was in the presence of the creator of the universe in some way that he had no response but to fall on his face in the middle of a bunch of stinky, smelly, slimy fish. Woe is me. I don't deserve to be in this boat. 
you need, you need to leave. You know, as I, I reflected on that response, I, I, I was so engaged with Peter's humility. You know, and I thought, you know, what if, if the 200 baptisms were to happen this year, would I respond like Peter? Would I fall on my knees before Almighty God and say, I'm not worthy? Or the reason that want 200 baptisms so that the sanctuary would be a little more full, so that the budget would be completed. Jesus catches me in this net. And he asks me, do you have the compassion that I have for the broken and for the lost? Or do you just want a little earthly success? Ultimately, the point of this passage is the last phrase, the last sentence. It's about being a sold out follower of Jesus. To be living for him and him alone. It's not a throwaway phrase, the last verse. When they brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. And the good news for us from this is that that's where life is found. That's Jesus' last phrase. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Yes, you are in the presence of the Almighty God. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. I'm here to help you. You hang with me and I'll transform you so that you become fishermen and fisherwomen. That that you will then be enabled to, to cast a net wherever you go. You'll be a part of this net that's me to gather others to me. Share righteousness, a love, a grace, and a mercy that indeed is good news. What a wonderful privilege we have. What an honor. What a fantastic opportunity as followers of Jesus to be cast out into the world so that others too might know of his love and grace and mercy. Amen.